And so with parents want- that are teaching this to their children, what if they're what if they're not utilizing all aspects that you're telling us? Let's say they, if you save your money, you'll do this. Well, the, what if the kid does that and then he wants his toy and mom says, no, it's for fucking college. Like, but I worked hard. Now, is there going to be a negative uh, side effect to that? Yeah, because your kid's going to be one, they're not going to trust you because you lied to them. And two, they're going to be frustrated that they feel guilty when they spend money as an adult. How can you create a transformation in others if there's no transformation in in yourself? Join your host, Greg Favaza, as your voice on the hard truths of leadership. Your transformation station, connecting connecting clarity to the cutting edge of leadership. As millennials, we can establish change, not only ourselves, but through organizational change, bringing transparency that goes beyond the organization and reflects back into ourselves, extracting extracting actionable advice and alternative perspectives that will take you outside of yourself. Leah Ellis, welcome to Your Transformation Station. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me today. Of course. You have an interesting background from what it looks like. You're a financial coach, a bookkeeper, and you have a unique niche that focuses on how consumers need to be spending money as well as saving money, but it's more towards the younger generation. Is that right? I work um, with anybody from the age of five to, I joke, 105, but it's all about how just having money isn't enough. You have to know how it works and how to take care of it. Mm, Just like a pet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) That's really interesting. My parents never really taught me the value of money other than what it means to a traditional brick and mortar place of them exchanging this currency for the item that I want, but go into that. Let's it's the floor is yours. Explain this a little bit. So I think especially here in America, we're all treating money like this taboo subject. Nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to teach about it. Nobody wants to understand it. And it's really easy to, you know, Money's causing our problems. Greed is causing our problems. If people would just stop focusing on money, then the world would be so much better. Mm -hmm. But money isn't the problem. Our behavior around the money, um, our emotions around the money. Most Americans feel grief, shame, and overwhelm around their money. Well, nobody's having a good conversation about something that makes 78% of us sad. Like, Mm. this is no fun. So I work really hard on helping people change their mentality around money, work on adjusting their money mindset. So we can sit down and we can say, look, this is how we feel about money, but this is the practicality of money. This is taking some of that emotion out, shifting some of that emotion and creating a little bit of hope around money instead and inspiration. I really, really, really believe that money can be inspirational and not just in a greedy, I want more of it kind of way. I like that. Now, uh, is there a source that you're quoting from, from the 73% uh, 
78. Um, there's, depending on where you Google, if you Google like what percentage of Americans live paycheck to paycheck, mm-hmm. it ranges from like 53 to 78%, depending on the studies and the age of the data. Um, but it's pretty much even mid COVID, 78% of Americans couldn't cover a $400 emergency. I'm assuming if you can't cover a $400 emergency, money's kind of scary. Yes. No, I definitely agree. And I can relate to that. Never being taught this importance really can ripple out into your actions and how you spend, uh, make, make a, uh, a purchase in the things that you think are necessary versus not necessary. And it trickles out. And the next thing you know, you're shit deep in a boatload of debt. So now give, let's give our audience a little bit of your background, your understanding and what you do and what you are currently working on. So my husband and I learned every single thing the hard way. We went from our rent was $500 a month and we had to beg my mother-in-law to pay our rent and then meet us at Taco Bell so she could buy our dinner and pay our rent while my husband was in college and I was working 60 hours a week. But we spent our money like crazy people. We never kept any of it. Um, We finally, my husband got a good job. We were pretty sure that that meant we had made it in life except for we were still living paycheck to paycheck on a six-figure income. And then he got hit by a car, broke 14 bones, and couldn't work. Yeah, he ended up having to go back to work three months earlier than the doctor's recommendations because we just couldn't afford for him to be on disability anymore, which meant he was in pain and couldn't was using a walker and still had to go back to work because we needed his income. And because we were hard-headed, We still didn't learn. We kept going on the same path until we had our second daughter. And we realized, oh, my God, our kids are not going to have anything because we have nothing because we're we make everything and we spend more than we make all the time. And my mother-in-law gifted us Financial Peace University. And this time we actually did the program. We paid off our debt. We paid off $123,000 in 23 months because we changed our entire mindset about the purpose of our money and our goals around money. Once we did that, about halfway through doing it, we realized that it was the most amazing feeling we had ever had to know that when we go to bed, we don't have to worry about overdraft notifications anymore. Yes. And we launched our financial coaching business. And now we get to teach everybody that wants to learn how to live this way without the stress of money anymore. Rewind. Of money. Rewind. Okay. You, you changed your mindset just now. This is where, this is the good stuff and people want to gloss over it. I feel like this is how we learn something and establish something beautiful for our listeners. Now, I feel like I know where you're going with it, but I, I just want to make sure I feel like we take away this valuable information, but also a lesson from life, not just by applying something in real time, but also by teaching somebody else. For me that I'm explaining, it's like I was teaching my um, stepdaughter a very important lesson for her and having her journal her feelings. And Mm -hmm. if you feel this certain way at a specific time and it's still the same, I want you to only focus on you and nobody else by this specific time. And it was the most amazing experience that we had as a family 
And that is where I was able to elevate myself to see the bigger picture. Now, is this something that you're relating to with how you're teaching your children? Kind of. We we teach our kids instead of just having money and spending money, we teach our kids how to budget. We teach our kids that the money comes from somewhere and it goes somewhere and it has a purpose. And the purpose of your money is whatever your goal for it is. I think as America, we get so caught up in what society's goals for our money are that we feel really overwhelmed because we're not doing what society expects of us. But the problem is we really only need to be living up to our expectations of our money and our lives. So what is your expectation? How do you handle that? For me, my expectation is that our bills are paid, our house is paid off. We have money and savings and we have money to be able to travel as a family. We have money to be able to help our daughters pay for college and that we're not constantly stressed over, good God, we have $20,000 in bills and $18,000 coming in. What are we going to do? Instead, it's okay. This is the money coming in. This is what we have to work with and working within that. And then teaching our daughters, um, my favorite thing is that there's only three things you can do with money. No matter what label you give it, no matter what abbreviations or tax shelters your accountant calls it by, at the end of the day, you can spend, save, or give. And so my expectation is that my daughters understand that and live by that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you know, my son, he's bigger. I like that. Now, where I want to take this from, let's see. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. I, it'll be a little exercise we'll do together. When it comes to finances, what do you think holds most people back from their own success? Fear. Go into that. Everybody's so afraid that they make the wrong choices with money and then they're going to get judged by it. And they're afraid that if they do the wrong thing, somebody's going to come out of the word work and tell them that they've failed. They, they didn't pass the test. They made the wrong choice. And now they are a terrible person. Or they're afraid that if they succeed, then people are going to judge them as being greedy because attaining money means that you've had to squash the little man. But the fact of the matter is I make money by teaching people. That's the complete opposite of being greedy because I'm giving away my knowledge. And in exchange, I'm paying my mortgage. Yes. Now, that's, now there's two things I want to ask just about that. With actually putting a price tag on our knowledge, how do you approach something like that? I don't ever come to somebody and tell them that you can't get knowledge without spending you know, $30,000 at a university. I absolutely believe in the school of hard knocks. And I believe that some of us learn because we've had to go through it. But for our clients, we come up with a coaching agreement and the coaching agreement has a price that they pay for accountability and cheerleading that I provide. That is because I am there to provide them with my expert knowledge because I have both the experience and the education. And I'm not telling them, oh, no, you have to pay me because I just want your money. I'm telling them you have a goal and I'm a resource to get you to that goal. And you you have to pay for the resources that you use, just like you pay for the gas in your car. Do you applaud them when they try to lowball you? Uh, actually, nobody ever tries to. It's not that they lowball me. It's they'll just tell me like, well, how are we supposed to come up with that money? And most of the time I sit them down and tell you when we do your first budget review, you will discover the money already in your budget. You just didn't know it was there because uh, they spend their money in a way that they don't understand what's coming in and going out. 
I had some clients tell me they would never be able to save because they just didn't have any money left over. And then we found $2,000 in their budget. See, I, I really like this, uh, this approach that we're going into. I feel like this can integrate into organizations and how mm -hmm. a culture is created. And I'm talking all organizations and how their resources are being expended and they have to choose between either sacrificing people versus to obtain resources. When the reality is if they would just understand what they have and how they're expending it, they can really change the, the culture within the workplace. So if we were to go into you and I in our exercise, I'm a new customer coming in to your office. Hey, how are you? I would like some help with my money. Please tell me, what would you, what, what, would, what would you tell me? Um, the first thing I always do is I do a, a consultation meeting where we discuss what your goals are. Like, wh what do you want your money to do? Because I can't help you if I don't know where we're going. Um, Google can't map you to a destination without knowing the destination. And I can't either. Okay. So with me, with my money, I, I have a set limit of money coming in each month. So that's good. Uh, what I need to do is I need to make sure all these bills are paid. I have a house, I have children and I got to make sure I get that baby formula and keep the phones going and the electric on. So other than that, I, I can't see the future because I feel like I'm living paycheck to paycheck. All right. So the first thing we would do is at our first meeting, we're going to sit down and we're going to do a really in-depth budget. We're going to, depending on your frequency of your paycheck, we're going to figure out what percentage of each paycheck is going to each bill. We're going to make sure that each bill is ready to be paid on the due date. And then we're going to look at what's left because you'll be surprised when we find, when we start listing out the expenses and your income, there's something left. It's just getting lost in the shuffle of day-to-day -day life because when we get stuck there in this, like, I just need to make it through today, we don't think about tomorrow. So we swipe our debit card without thinking about what the sacrifice is tomorrow when we've used it today. So we're going to look at all of those little things that we can maybe sacrifice, maybe things that we like but don't need for a season. Nothing is ever never. It's always not now, not yet. Mm. And then we're going to work into how to build back to that or how to alter that maybe I don't need Disney Plus and Netflix because I really only ever watch Disney Plus with my kids anyway because that's what they like. And if I don't pay for Netflix now, then that's $15 a month that I can put towards college savings. If your kids are, my kid is seven months old, you put money in college savings starting at, at seven months old, that's going to have an impact on their future. And it's a tiny adjustment in your day-to-day -day life that's a huge impact on their future. But you have to know where to look and you have to have somebody, you know, looking at a bird's eye view to show you because when we're in the day-to-day, -day, it's too overwhelming to look at the big picture because we're, we're here. I need to get through today. Um, and then after we've created some goals, we're going to meet every two weeks. We're going to talk about your wins, your losses, your questions, your concerns. We're going to celebrate all of the victories. We're going to make adjustments so that the things that got us this time don't get us next time. So and every month we're going to do better and better. Beautiful. I like that. Now, I feel like there's a certain way that people approach uh, 
how they delegate their money to the the creditors to the utilities i like for me as soon as i get the money i write it out now and i send it before i for something comes up that i'm not aware of which is a problem cuz i'll have different subscriptions or something that's coming out and i'm like shit okay we're not going to let that happen again so i'll just send it right out fucking house bill electric go and then even if it's 20 days like later i just want to pay them now but then i realize like where did it all fucking go like is that what you're referring to or the date it's due the date is due that's when they get it so what i do is i actually have multiple bank accounts and so all of my income and my husband's income and our business income that's what i pay myself in salary from our business all three of those sources of income deposit into one account and then from that account I divvy it where I need it. So I know we have about $500 a month in like utility and subscription fees. Mm -hmm. So I put $500 as soon as my income hits $500 goes into a a utility account. And then all of my utilities just auto come out of that utility account. And I track the balance weekly to make sure that the bills that I expected have come out, come out and that nobody has changed their rates on me. I don't like it when the internet suddenly decides they're going to charge me $8 more per month because yes. I, my contract has reached a certain age. I just call them and make them go back. Um, but I keep track of that account to make sure the money's coming out. But I essentially like I pay them into that account and then that account manages it for me because nobody wants to sit down every day and say, which bills are, do I need to pay on this day? And okay, it's the 20th, which three bills do I pay today? Okay. It's the 21st, which two do I pay today? So I just put all the money there on the first of the month and keep it rolling. That's something that took us two years to get to. Most people aren't going to be able to pay a full month's bills on the first of the month because it's a process to have that much saved. So I'm going to teach you how to make it to that point if that's where you want to be. And if it's not where you want to be, then I'm going to teach you how to create a system that does work for you. And then I have another account that we call it our envelope account. Um, You know, people like old school used to keep their cash envelopes. I'm not old school enough to keep a cash envelope, but I have an account that is a pretend envelope. Mm -hmm. And we put our our spending money for gas, groceries, and like miscellaneous stuff into that separate account. And that's the only account we carry debit cards for. And it's the only one we swipe from. And it keeps us on budget because that's, We've built a mentality around it that that's money is the only money we have. So it has to last. I and like we don't that. Even I really do. That. So with the envelope system you brought up, I'm, I feel like that today it's still a great system with how we make purchases. It's the majority of it. I don't have a percentage on that. It's online. And I feel like if it's at home, I'm not going to spend it. And at that point, great. Now we're saving money. Now with this system that you're going to teach us can you before we go into that can you tell us the relationship that we need to have as individuals to conceptualize this you need to have a relationship with money that money is literally just a tool it it has no no energies of its own the only power money has over it is the money the power that you give it So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to sit down and we're going to talk a lot about your mindset and opinions about money. We're going to talk about why you feel that way. We're going to get down to whether or not that's actually true. Um, Because you can't transform your opinions around money 
when you're stuck believing certain common myths about money. So we're going to go like down into the whole money is the root of all evil and determine is money really the root of all evil? Is money stressful or was it hard to watch your parents fight over money when you were a kid? And so that's what got indoctrinated into you. Yes. Stressful. (laughs) That is it. We we are hooked on this shit that's been killing us from the inside, from our previous social upbringing. Tell, have you experienced that when you were growing up and also in your line of work, is there a common theme and somehow is it possibly related? I know that might be a loaded question, but I'm just curious. So I, I don't have her book behind me. It's downstairs, but I have, there's this woman I love so very much named Judy Kane. And she wrote a book called your food for truths. And she talks about how your subconscious beliefs are formed by the time you're seven, seven. Yeah. That's all you have already already have a perception of the world ingrained into your brain by the time you're seven years old. Well, how many millions of Americans by the time they were seven years old have watched their parents fight over money, not be able to pay the bills, get frustrated over this addiction, this vice, this is causing us not to be able to pay money. And now that is ingrained that money causes fights. Money is bad. Yes. But it wasn't the money causing the fight. It was the behaviors around money. And my family, my parents fought a lot because my dad was horrible with money and my mom was trying so hard to support a family of four, but he wouldn't let her work. He used it as a control mechanism. So every time she got a job to create income, he would sell the car so she couldn't go. Yeah, really. Dick. Yeah, he's a real piece of crap. But she, so she was trying so hard to create a life for us while he was constantly ripping her down. And so I felt like we have, like, there's no money. Our family's meant to be poor. We're just, I watched them fight over everything. Well, the fact of the matter is he prioritized side chicks and cigarettes over his family. That wasn't money's fault. That was his being a shitty person. I had, but as a six-year-old, all I knew was they're fighting over money again. They're fighting over money again. So I grew up thinking like, You have to spend your money as soon as you get it, because if you don't spend it, somebody else will. You have to spend your money as soon as you get it, because if you don't, an unexpected bill is going to come and you're going to have to pay that. You have to spend your money as soon as you get it or else you'll never enjoy your life and buy all the things because things will make you feel good when the people around you don't. That's all stuff that I have had to unteach myself and make a really, truly conscious effort not to teach my kids, because right now. My kids are all under the age of seven and the things I do matter a lot. Mm, yes. I like that. I really do like that a lot with, uh, let's see how I want to look at this with financial systems today. And what you're telling me, I like, it's really inspirational. Like what if they can't get in touch with you, but they, they know a friend maybe that's doing something similar and they want to go down that path. I feel like, there's certain systems that are set that are set up just to make money off the people that are trying to save money. So how do they understand the integrity in trying to save money by learning from somebody else? Don't spend money on something you don't understand. Like that like if if a financial advisor comes to you and they say we're going to do this 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 and this and this is what you're going to get out of it and they talk so fast you don't know what they're saying and then you're like, "Oh, okay, here." No. Slow down. If they cannot explain it to you, if you do not understand it, then don't spend your money there. Find another resource. 
read a different book, practice something else. If you cannot find a time to schedule a meeting with me, if you cannot afford financial coaching because you truly can't, if there's not space in your mental bandwidth to take on having to be accountable to a person because that is a really emotional thing to have to look a person in the eye and know that you they are judgment-free, but you still feel judged because it's a very emotional thing. I have a workbook on my website that's 10 bucks and it will teach you how to understand your money with a, like, it's a super simple budgeting book, but it makes you actually look at your money. And, and it's a first step. It's the life vest getting thrown off the boat because it's something and it's not going to solve your money problems, but it's going to help you because you're going to finish the book and then you're going to feel more confident because you did the whole book. So then the next time it comes, you have a little bit more confidence and a little bit less fear. And that's all it is, is building confidence and killing fear. That's why we say we're slaying money dragons. <laughs> I like that. Now, let's go back to with you teaching your children the same principles as adult clients. What is the key difference between them besides their age? For adults, we're talking a lot about undoing mindsets, learning new habits, um, old dogs and new tricks kinds of stuff. With the kids, because when I teach five-year-olds, we're teaching how to build that foundation right the first time so we don't have to go in and essentially have financial therapy on how, how to fix what we, what we didn't even realize was broken because we think it's just a part of our culture. So with kids, it's a lot more, it's a lot more energetic and fun because instead of saying like, okay, how do we learn how to do a budget when that word hurts? Like the, the word budget sends a chill down your spine. How are we going to adjust that? And instead with kids, we get to say, we're learning a new word today. We're going to learn about budgets. We're going to learn how a budget is something where you write down your plan for spending money. And then you get to go and buy stuff when you reach your saving goals. How exciting is that? With adults, it's like, okay, we're going to do a budget. It's hard. We're going to do it anyway. And when you're done, you're going to feel really proud. And whether you're an adult or a kid, a budget is just a way of writing down what you want to do with your money and then doing it. And so with parents that are teaching this to their children, what if they're, what if they're not utilizing all aspects that you're telling us? Let's say they, if you save your money, you'll do this. Well, the, what if the kid does that and then he wants his toy and mom says, no, it's for fucking college. Like, but I worked hard. Now, is there going to be a negative uh, side effect to that? Yeah, because your kid's going to be, one, they're not going to trust you because you lied to them. And two, they're going to be frustrated that they feel guilty when they spend money as an adult. Half of my clients come to me because they don't know how to save money and they're so overwhelmed with the concept of accumulating wealth. And the other half come to me because they're really good at saving. But if they spend a dollar, they feel like they kicked a puppy. Like their parents <laughs> made them, their parents were <laughs> So angry at them when they spend money that they don't know how to do it. I'm imagining you kicking a puppy right now for some reason. I, I would not kick a puppy. But you know, like they feel so guilty. They feel like they've done something naughty because they're enjoying the money they worked for. The only way to be financially healthy is to spend, save, and give. You have to do all three. And it's hard to learn to do all three as an adult, but it's really, really easy to teach your kids. You, my daughters, 
even earn their allowance and they are required to divide their allowance between long-term and short-term savings, spending and giving. They have to put at least $1 into each of those four envelopes before they can decide on anything else. It's really easy to say we're prioritizing all four of these because this is how we have a healthy relationship. By working on our short-term goals, by working on our long-term goals, giving a little bit to our community because we're a part of a society that is meant to take care of one another. Civilization became civilization instead of just a bunch of hunter-gatherers when we started taking care of each other. So we have to make sure we're spending money taking care of each other. And then we have money to spend on ourselves right this minute. Because if you've worked really hard, then it's okay to buy yourself a tube of M&M minis in the grocery checkout line because you made sure you had the money for it and you took care of your responsibilities first. I like this. Now, what I really like is what you said earlier is don't spend your money on something you don't understand. Now, with that in mind, as a millennial for myself, how can I personally increase my financial literacy? Talk to... Um, find a financial advisor who is a financial teacher, not just an investment seller, because there are financial advisors who make commission and they look at you as their next paycheck. And then there are financial advisors who actually care about you succeeding and leaving a legacy. And they will teach you what those investments mean instead of just telling you to do it. Hire a financial coach who can sit down and talk to you. Um, I tell financial advisors that I'm here to build you up before you're ready to invest. So I teach you what it is. So you walk into that room ready to go and then go read blogs. There are an infinite number of bloggers, of financial teachers who break stuff down into more understandable terms so that you get what it is before you buy it. Yes. But how do we not waste our time going through Google and through these blogs or a bunch of nonsense and they say the same thing? Talk to me. Yes. <laughs> find, find a financial coach like me who has already done the Googling or find one reliable, like nerd wallet is a really good one. Um, I don't, yes. I don't like everything nerd wallet posts, but nerd wallet does post a lot of really good stuff. They are pretty easy to digest. Their articles are sometimes a little long and I don't always agree with their opinions, but it's a great place to start. Um, find out if your financial institution has some type of financial education training. A lot more of them are starting to offer like goal setting and goal attaining like trackers where you can see what their recommendations are based on where you are financially. Beautiful. Now, I feel like we covered the short term aspect, but what about let's look at the long term. What what advice would you have for us looking long term towards retirement? save. Compounding interest is the only way you're going to have any money when you retire. I, one of my classes I write for 13 to 16 year olds, I had a 13 year old tell me he was going to start saving $50 a month from his lawn mowing business for when he retired, because that was a small amount, but he could do it. And assuming he only contributed $50 a month for the rest of his life, he never did more. It was still like $2.3 million for his retirement. And of course, he's going to grow up. He's going to be responsible. So he's going to increase what he's saving. Um, if the average American saves their car payment, essentially, the average car payment is $550 a month. So if you invest your car payment into retirement accounts, it's like $3 million by retirement age if you start at 25. Okay. With having, like, 
an emergency fund, when we look at that, what, what's the ideal amount of money that we should have for a just-in-case scenario? It depends a little bit um, situationally on your family, but the general recommendation is three to six months of living expenses. Ooh. Uh, yeah. I don't know if we all have that. <laughs> oh, no, because I already told you 78% of Americans can't cover a $400 emergency. But the goal is three to six months because that gives you freedom. It gives you, oh, my God, my car just got totaled and my insurance is going to take three weeks to pay it out. But I have an emergency fund where I can get myself something to drive for now and then reimburse that account when the insurance money comes in. It gives you, I broke my leg and I can't work but I can live off of my emergency fund. Yes. It also depends, um, like I said, situationally. If you're a contractor, you should have more because you don't know when the contracts are going to go out. Mm -hmm. If you have a dual income household, you can have less because even though I quit working, my husband's still working. So we've only lost some of our income, not all of our income. Um, so there's okay. definitely okay. some finesse involved in determining which side of three to six months you need to be on or if somewhere in the middle, mm -hmm. but we should all be aiming for at least three months in our emergency fund. I like that. Now with this understanding, can we conceptualize this and apply it in other areas of our life? I think at the end of the day, it's about educating yourself and controlling yourself. And I think that applies to everything in our lives. Yes. Yes. Okay. Now, Tell us about your book. Tell us a little bit more about your coaching business, anything we didn't cover. And if you would like to link in some social links right now, you can go ahead and share that with us. So the workbook, it's just Budgeting 101. It is literally a 12-page workbook where it takes you step by step through, okay, first we're going to list all of our income, then all of our expenses, now the expenses we forgot about. And then there's even some pages for just some journaling on how you're feeling at this point in the process, because it is an emotional process to do that first budget. And then it also has a link at the end where you can schedule a free meeting with me. So you get an adult with more perspective to look at it and say, okay, you're kicking butt. You didn't even realize how well you were doing because you were stuck right here, but you're doing great. Or I can say, You've got such a great start. Here's how we're going to make it better so that you get better. All I want to do is educate and inspire. That's, that's all I'm here for. I want America not to be scared of money anymore. And I want to slay the money dragon because there's no reason we should all be scared of a piece of paper. But we are. Mm -hmm. And I desperately want to fix it so that we don't have to feel like we're under the thumb of this giant fire breathing monster. And he's only getting bigger with inflation. So we need to fucking get that sword out and cut the and fucker up. $5 a gallon gas here in California is insane. So let's just get rid of this money dragon once and for all. Um, you can find us at facebook.com slash Endeavor Financial Coaching, EndeavorFinancialCoaching.com. And then I'm on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Endeavor Financial Coaching. Uh, so I'm pretty easy to find even on LinkedIn. It's the same. We're everywhere. It's Endeavor Financial Coaching everywhere. And if I'm not there, um, it's because I'm scared of it because we're not on TikTok because I'm just way overwhelmed. <laughs> by 
I'm just not millennial enough. (laughs) (laughs) You'll get there. That's beautiful. Just one last question for those that feel like they have a system in play. Do you, what would you recommend to them as far as refining? Get it reviewed and check on it. Even the most beautiful system without observation and without supervision can go awry. So make sure you're keeping an eye on the system and that you're maintaining it, that you don't get too comfortable with it's all taken care of and then lose track. Beautiful. Leah Ellis, everybody. I appreciate you coming on today's show. Thanks for having me. I had fun. You've been listening to your transformation station, your voice on the hard truths of leadership. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information. Make sure to like, rate, and review the show. Remember, your transformation station is on all major platforms, including Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, TikTok, and YouTube. And visit the website. Till next time.